0: Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter number 6. And what a privilege it is to be once again identified with this historical place over a 100 years. The Woodland Baptist Church has been propagating and promoting old-time religion, and I know that's not been without the peer pressure from the compromisers and the modernists and the the liberals to to make a left-hand turn. And let me say to you white-haired saints, don't let them push you into any change. I was reading the Psalms, a Proverbs just the other day, and the Bible says, meddle not with a man given to change. If it's ever been right, it's still right. Uh, Our Bible's not a book of situational ethics that we can pick and choose what part we like and use it at a certain time. The Bible said, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And we believe in the absolutes of the scripture. And I want to help you. I know we're at a time, a crucial time in our nation, as we soon to vote for a president in two weeks, and uh, if it's biblically wrong, it cannot be politically correct, that's for sure, and uh, let God be true, and every man a liar. little boy was in class, and the teacher was promoting the liberal, and uh, she was saying, now, how many of y'all are supporting Biden? And... Uh, all the kids raised their hand, but one little boy in the back. And uh, she said, "Billy said, "We see you don't have your hand raised." I said, "Why come you don't raise your hand?" He said, "Well, my parents told me that abortion was wrong. And, and my parents told me that same-sex marriage was wrong, and my parents told me all to work for what I have. And my parents taught me not to step on the flag and spit on the flag And, and uh, she said, "Well, what if your parents had have told you you was a stupid idiot?" He said, "Well I'd have voted for Biden then <laughs> Amen. Hey. And if that bothers you, let me show you how much it's bothering me. <laughs> Hebrews chapter six, page 1295 hey. And uh, verse 1, you pray for me, I'd lost my voice, me and Tracy been fighting, and uh, and uh, I won. Amen. I could barely whisper uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and uh, so I'm, I'm glad. We had a missionary come in Sunday night to Egypt, and that gave me a little rest, and then we rode today, so I feel like I can preach if, if it goes away. I'll keep trying, all right? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Would you stand with me? We don't have to stand to reverence God's word, or we couldn't listen to preaching on the radio. Drive down the road, but if I'm going to preach two hours and a half, y'all might as well get a little circulation. Brother Sammy Allen, one of my heroes, he called me one day, and he said, Brother Tony, he said, I just want to let you know that I can preach for 30 minutes. I want to let you know that I'm capable of preaching for 30 minutes. And I said, Well, that's great. He said, But no man's 30 minutes message will do what my hour message will do. That's what he said. Did. <laughs> Look at verse one. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening, and it's not out of ritual. These people are veterans. Most of these people have been in the way uh, for, for decades. And so I come to you tonight. It's not out of habit, but it's out of an awareness of a need. I stand where the arm of flesh has failed me. And I stand where the arm of flesh will fail me. And we're aware that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. I've preached many sermons stood behind these sacred desks many times through 40 years of ministry. But, Lord, I'm well aware that without your touch we're nothing. Paul said about his own preaching he didn't want to be word only, but he wanted to preach with the unction and power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And let that be manifested tonight. I pray the Holy Ghost would illuminate this great revelation we hold in our laps and in our hands and I pray tonight we would leave, as the preacher prayed earlier, we'd leave these walls determined to make an impact on 21st century humanity. Bless this nation once again in these next two weeks. I pray you would raise up Christians. Lord, no matter how long the line is, let us vote and let us stand for righteousness. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Help us not to forget you. We're, we're, we're people who forget very easily. We forget uh, the attacks of the past, and Lord, we're, we're very forgiving people. America is, but I pray God that we'd be spiritually minded as we see the day approaching, and so much the more. Now, bless the preaching tonight, and we'll give you all the glory and all the honor and all all of the recognition for results that we see. Bless Brother Tim and his family. Thank you for his twenty nine, twenty five years here, and. And, and probably much longer than that in the ministry. I pray you'd give him length of days, and good health, and bless his family, and his grandchildren meet their needs in life. Thank you for the good friends that are in this place. My family, my sons here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for his salvation, and my son-in-law and uh, other friends that are dear to me tonight. I pray God that you would bless them, and undergird them. Help me to preach. Help me to say everything all to say. give me backbone to say everything all to say, and then give Holy Ghost discernment not to say things that wouldn't glorify you. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Hebrews chapter six, the, the admonitions given by the penman through the divine inspiration of God, that we ought to lay aside, therefore, the doctrines of Christ. And let me just say that he's not suggesting in any way we minimize cardinal doctrine. I'm a fundamentalist. I'm a Bible-believing fundamentalist. I'm a biblicist. Uh, I don't even like it when they equate us to evangelicals. Uh, we, we're defensive of the faith. We're defenders, earnestly contending. That makes us different. We just don't believe something, but we will fight for something. And we must in these last days. And here we're we're commended, we're challenged to go on not laying aside, not forgetting, that does not mean that we minimize the great truth of God's Word. I mean, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Uh, That's not something that we forget. He lived without sin. Nobody was ever born like he was born. Nobody lived like he lived. He died vicariously for our sins on the cross. Nobody died like he died. Nobody was ever buried like he was buried. He, he, he announced it in three days, I'll raise it up. He, he died when he got good and ready. Don't, don't believe for a minute these movies that Hollywood puts out that the Roman uh, government took the life of Christ. Don't believe that the Sanhedrin or the Jewish religion uh, annihilated the life of Christ. He gave himself a ransom. When he, when he got good and ready to die, he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. We're naive to think that some man killed Jesus. No, no, no. He gave himself. And nobody ever lived like he lived. Nobody ever died like he died. Nobody ever was buried like he was buried. Nobody ever got up like he got up. If you destroy this temple, he said, in three days, praise God, on that third and appointed day, when the stone rolled away, praise God, the rock of ages walked. He said, I am he who was dead, but behold, him alive evermore, and he ever liveth to make intercession for you and I. Oh, I glorify him for that. And nobody's ever coming back like he's coming back. Uh, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. For my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. He's coming again. If in this life only we have hope, we're of all men most miserable. But I'm looking for a blessed hope. But that's not what he's saying. Let's minimize, lay down that doctrine. If anything, we ought to champion those truths. It's the apostles' doctrine that's been once delivered by the saints. But he said there ought to be a place in our Christian life where we establish that. He goes on in sandwiches that let us go on unto perfection by by ending the verse with this, and we are to lay aside the foundation of repentance unto work, dead work. I mean, you ought to know that you're saved. There ought to come a time in your life where you can have an assurance of your salvation. You once were dead. You were, you were unregenerate. You were lost, but you got regenerated. You got passed from death unto life. You got born from above. Amen. Don't get excited, but I'm just talking about Bible terms. You got saved. You got adopted into a family. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I mean, man, we've been, we've been received. Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us. We should be called the sons of God. And I know that I'm saved tonight. But he says in the middle of those two challenges, let us go on unto perfection, full maturity. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. How many's got your Bible again? Let's see that. That's a pretty sight. 2 Samuel. In chapter number five, we see an account of one of the great biblical characters, uh, a, a household name among Christianity, King David, a man after God's own heart. And the Bible tells us that they're, in this passage, they're soon to announce at Jerusalem was soon to be the the recognized capital of Israel. By the way, I'm glad that the embassy is in Jerusalem tonight. Thank God for a president who keeps his promises. I wasn't voting for a preacher. I wasn't voting for a deacon. I was voting for a leader. Amen. Some of y'all wrote me off, but me and Brother Tim stood on that, praise God. The Bible says in verse number 10 of chapter 5, after this great accomplishment kings are sending in material to build this house for david to build this this place of recognition of of the of the god of abraham isaac and of jacob bible said in verse 12 that david perceived that the lord had established him king over israel he knew there was a battle between saul and him a jealousy between king saul and david but he perceived, he had that innate knowledge that God was going to use him as the king. And the Bible said in verse number 10, And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. The Bible said in Hebrews 6, One, let us go on unto perfection. I believe tonight I'm looking at young people on the back row and white-haired saints that make up this congregation who have reached, oftentimes in our Christian life, we've reached places of satisfaction, well, we've done enough. Well, I sent my kids through Christian school and the Bible college, and and I tithe, and and you know my family's made professions of faith, and you know you my know wife, my, my wife's saved, I'm saved, and my grandchildren are making. We're doing fine, and let the rest of the world die and go to hell. I know you don't say it like that, but our actions speak louder than our words do. Just try not to make us uncomfortable. Don't try to preach to us. We're the good guys. We're we're the right crowd. Leave us alone. Let us just stay in our state of of inactivity, a a state of nonchalant, a a state of, of no intensity. Just let us maintain our course till we get to heaven. I don't believe that's the will of God at all. You study the life of Saul and the Bible Records his anointing in 1 Samuel chapter number 10, verse 1. The Bible said that Samuel came and he anointed Saul with a vial of oil. It really pictured or designated a limited reign. But you read on, you find in 1 Samuel chapter 16, there at Jesse's house, there the Samuel came, that great prophet of God, and he took a horn of oil. It pictures an ongoing ministry. It pictures a a persistent ministry, a a ministry that continues, not not some short-lived. What's a sad hour when we see Christians get saved and get excited, and then they just sit soaking sour and the fuse goes out? I mean, praise God, we're going to heaven. And the reality is it's closer today than it ever has been. Yeah, forsake not the similar of yourselves together. That's a matter of some ends. Huh? But exhorting one another. Huh? And so much the more. So much the more as we see the day approaching. Let us go on. I believe one of the greatest examples of a Christian, of a believer who made progress through uh, uh, achievement as well as adversity was David, the Bible character himself. Turn, if you will, to to first Samuel, let's look at chapter 17. David went on. Many things could have affected his progress. I think about oftentimes our own self-esteem. You know, there's a line between pride and faith. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. If he had to stop there, that would have been a boastful statement. People would have perceived him as some kind of an arrogant Christian. Oh, Paul can do all things, but he didn't stop there. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. We'll never go any further than we go uh, with the blessing of God. You'll never be the parent you ought to be. You'll never be the child you ought to be. You'll never, you'll never be the Christian. You'll never be the Sunday school teacher. You'll never play your role to its fullest and, and fulfill the perfect will of God. You know, there is such a thing. Let us not be unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Yeah, there's a perfect will. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. Had be not conformed unto this world, be you transformed, by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has a perfect will for your life. All this bunch of talk, philosophy, Christian philosophy, I don't put much weight in that permissive wheel and all that. I can't find that in the Bible. I want to be in God's plan. David went on. I give you three thoughts tonight, and you're good listeners already, and I appreciate it. Number one, I want you to notice that David went on, and as we look in chapter 17, we find that David went on through public evaluation. You know the story. He's there, and his daddy sends him to see the armies of Israel and check on your brothers and when he gets there, y'all know it, oh, Valley of Elah, let's get our mental, put our thinking caps on and let's draw a mental picture of the Valley of Elah and this great Philistine giant. He's out there defying the armies of God. He's mocking the God Jehovah. He's mocking all of the teachings of the Israelites. He's minimizing their, hey, God's not going to do it. Come on, send sends your best, to it sends your best eyeball to eyeball, toe to toe. He's walking them. God's people have reached a place of, 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 I'm talking about intimidation. Uh, They're hunkered down. Uh, They just stick their heads up every once in a while and say boo. And David walks up and he sees it. It's bothering him. The Bible says in verse number 26, look at it. And David spake unto the men that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? and taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered and said unto him this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why hast thou come down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down here that thou might see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? He was evaluated by his brethren, and his motive was probably underestimated. His maturity was underestimated, the might that was backing him. By the way, God always puts omnipotence behind his commands. I can do all things through Christ. And, and, and he, thought, he thought, man, this is my opportunity to make a difference in this generation. He thought, man, I've already been uh, recognized by Samuel, and this is my opportunity to do something for God that could change the course of a nation. By the way, he did it, amen. But he had to go past, he had to go on past the public evaluation. I think about his brother's evaluation. It was it was an evaluation that saw him enable. Can I admit to you that we're all flesh and we're frail and we, we have a sin nature? And my my flesh lusts against my spirit. My spirit against the flesh. I know y'all not because y'all believe in the second work and the grace, eradication, flesh, and sin is perfection. But I'm talking about us people in Tennessee. We we don't have have domestic violence. We just get in fights. Last fight, me and Tracy had, she come to me on her knees and said, get out of that bed and fight like a man, boy. And I didn't see her for about a week. And then my right eye began to open just a little bit on this side, man. Listen to me. Most people that assess the modern-day church, they see us as unable. I mean, if we could have, it seems like we would have. And I believe their assessment is Accurate. I mean, our churches are so diluted now. We've lost our standards. We've lost, we've lost, I mean, it doesn't sound the same in church. It doesn't look the same in church. The, the pulpits become silent. There's apologies for what the preacher has to say. And the world looks at us and says, boy, they've lost their savor. They don't sting. By the way, we're not the salt of the earth. Hey, hey, we're, we're not the sugar of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. Amen. And they're wanting to hear something tickle my ears, itch my ears, for the time has come without an endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. No, nothing feels more comfortable than to have your itch scratched. And the world sees that amongst our ranks. Less church instead of more. Calling off more services. Backing up. And they see us as enabled. I believe right now, This great historical monument to old time religion needs to re-up. And see, it doesn't matter what this county says, what Surrey County, Forsyth County, Davies County says. It doesn't matter what these people, what these, uh, hey, we're gonna go on for God. Hey, if we go with many or few, if we go uphill or down by the grace of God. Hey, I'm purpose like Daniel. We're not gonna defy ourselves, but we're gonna go on for the glory of God. There ought to be a mentality. That whether public evaluation sees us in able or not, that we continue the fight in light of an empty tune, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Wherefore, we labor, whether absent or present, that we may be accepted of him. Bible said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, shall the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit of the spirit, reap life everlasting. So let us not grow weary in well-doing. Hey, let us not grow, it's not time to quit. It's not time to back up. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, friend, we shall reap if we faint not. Let us go on. Let us go on. In spite of public evaluation, who assesses us as unable? In spite of public evaluation, it, would, it, it would, would, would leave us intimidated. I mean, this is uh, the armies of God, and you got one man, you know, 401. You just got one voice of all the prophets that would stand toe-to-toe to David. It was It was Nathan after his sin with that but he says, hey, this is in the originals. He said, hey, hoss, thou art the man. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, one of them. Everybody here? Yeah. I'm saying to you, neighbor, look, that there's an intimidation that seems to accompany these days. I mean, we're the only one on the no job that still says the blessing. We're the only one that won't go to the Christmas party and drink wine and get drunk. We're the only ones... Amen, they still have music, it sounds like church. We're the only ones that got smoke coming off the floor, praise God. Hey, Hey, we're the only ones still using the King James Bible. And if you're not careful, that isolation that accompanies serving God can become intimidating. I'm telling you, they said, man, you can't do it. But he went on. He went on past public evaluation that Saw him in Abel that was intimidating. No, no doubt intimidating. I thought about it. They saw saw him ineffective. Not just in Abel, but they say you're wasting your time. I hear it all the time. I've got white-haired church members that come to me and just say, if you'd just back off your message and lighten it up, my granddaughter would come. You know. And I'm not even going to describe her, but y'all know what she looks like. Uh, hellcat, hey man. My my grandson would come if you just well, you know what she he she I mean he looks like little effeminate thing sashaying around. Sammy, Steve, and Susie. If you just back off. You're not getting through anyway. All you're doing, Brother Tim, is running people off with that kind of talk. That's all you're doing is is making a barrier. Oh, friend, hey, just, 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 you're not doing anything anyway. Well, let me just say that eternity will reveal what we're doing. Little boy walking up the seashore and, the tide had been washing in, and, and there, were, there were those stars, those, those, what do you call them, sea stars, sea starfish all over. They were moving around, and the, the tide began to pull back out, and as it was leaving, many of those starfish were stranded on the sea. And this little boy was walking around frantically just throwing stars back into the water. He's catching a starfish and throwing it back into the ocean. Grab another one, pitch it back in the ocean. An older man said, what are you doing, son? He said, I'm trying to save these starfish. And the old man said, look, son, there's thousands. He said, you're not making any difference. He picked up one. He said, I'm making a difference to this one. I'm making a difference to this one. Hey, listen, we can't reach them all, but by the grace of God, hey, we can go into all the world and preach a gospel to every creature, hey, baptizing them in the name of the Father, out of the Son, out of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. Can I say, Woodland Baptist Church, it's time for us to go on. Go on past public evaluation. Jot this down. Go on. I believe his life reveals chapter 17. He went on past previous encounters. And that's really I'm alluding to positive things. As he's approached by Saul and his boldness to stand against the enemy and for God to stand with him, you see that, that David says, Now, I'll take him on. I mean, I believe God can help me with this and About that time, he begins to remember a lion. When they saw his motive wrong, when they saw, they saw, hey, there's no way, there's no way you've got the might to fight a giant. You're just a a ruddy young man. And there's no way that you've got, man, you're not mature enough to handle this battle. But he remembered one time he was in a a pasture field and a big old bear come out and he whooped that bear with his bare hands and a line came out and he took that line and, and, and ripped him in two. Y'all still here? Y'all act like y'all don't believe that. I wouldn't either if it wasn't in an authorized 1611 King James Bible. I'd say you a barefaced lie, somebody help me. But it's in the scriptures friend The Word of God records these acts of David. You know, there ought to be enough victory in your Christian life that you can fall back on some of that along the way. Previous encounters, too often they leave us in a mentality of accomplishment. Not that I've apprehended, Paul said, I've written over half the New Testament. I've rose Eutychus from the dead. Man, I've started churches all over the place. I've been imprisoned. I've been beaten. I myself was stoned to death and came back to life. I saw heaven above, above 14 years ago. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell but the Lord know whether I was called up into the third heaven. But he said, I'll tell you this, I've not apprehended. Sometimes previous encounters, we say, well, I've already done that. I've already been there. I got the T-shirt, got the plaque. Let me say something to you. It ain't over till it's over. Well, I remember when I was on alcohol, and I went down on it, praise God. Listen, I hope there's more to your Christian life than just, that's a good place to start, getting sober. That's not the high plane of Christianity. God help us, I was at a teen camp. They was throwing in all that rock music they threw in one of them little Skinner tapes and I said, hold up a minute, I ain't got victory over that yet. Somebody say, y'all still here? <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama ought to be in the Red Book as far as I'm concerned. Somebody say amen. No, you've not attained. You've not finished as long as there's a lost person in this county, as long as there's a lost person in the state of North Carolina, as long as the Southeast has lost people, unsaved. I, I'm talking about away from God. As long as there's somebody lost in America. The, hey, the work's not done yet, friend. We're not through yet. Previous encounters sometime sometime, give us an accomplished mentality. Previous encounters ought to always give us an accompanied mentality. David was not foolish enough to think he's gonna walk out there. He's been evaluated by his brother, they're mocking him. King David thought, man, you had not got enough armor on. The Philistine giant's just laughing in his face. Yeah. Public's evaluation has almost left him ready to throw in the towel. But praise God, he dug a little deeper. But praise God, he dug a little deeper, said, you're not gonna keep me down. I've got a purpose here. Is there not a cause? Hey, I'm gonna do what God's called me to do. I'm here today on divine orders. My daddy sent me here, not just to see that my brethren had cheeses and and some kind of a, a nutritional value. He sent me for spiritual warfare. I see here that as he's standing, those previous encounters, reminded him of the closeness that God had in his battles. Some of you may be uh, battling addictions. Get off of this lame, weak mentality. You are a victor. Greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. You You really don't need 12 steps, no step. You just need, you need a God of the Bible and a determined spirit, praise God. Amen. Some of you are battling marital problems. Some of you are battling financial da- issues and, and complications, health issues. Can, can you not realize that as we go forward, as we reach forward, Paul said, forget you things which you are behind. I, I press forward I, toward the mark of the high calling, purpose of God. Can you not remember the times God's brought you through? Hey, young people in the back back there, look up in here, brother Tony, a minute. Hey, look up here a minute. You need more than granny's stories. Troy, you need more than daddy's stories. You gotta get you a story, man. You gotta see him real, friend. You're not going forward, you're gonna back up. You're gonna be defeated, you're gonna be overcome. Hey, hey, you're gonna have to have some stories of your own, previous encounters. He recognized God's intervention. It was God, he told, in that day. It was God who empowered him to kill the, the bear. It was God who empowered him to kill the lion. He told that very day, uh, that Egyptian told him, man, that, that I'll have you, it won't be no problem for me. You've sent, am I a dog, he said in verse 43. Uh, and he said, come to me, he said, come to me and I'll give thy flesh to the fowls of the air, verse 44, and the beasts of the field. And then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a shield, and a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the big L Lord. Praise God, I feel good about that. In the name of the big L Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou defies this day, the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thy head from thee, and I'll give the carcass unto the host of the Philistines. This day under the fowls of the air and the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I want to say this. Our previous encounters make us accountable. Christians see a little bit of success and it's almost inevitable that they automatically going to write a book on something. Help me now. I mean, they're going to call Selton Smith and get the sword to help them with a the book. Don't bow your head. I'm not ready to pray yet. Everybody okay? I mean, they get a little success, and all of a sudden, they're they're the authority. Let me tell you, you're accountable when we see victory to give God the glory. I mean, when when the dust settles, when the smoke clears, God's people ought to point to him. Oh, Elijah on Mount Carmel prayed 63 words in that prayer. He never said, Lord, if you'll answer this prayer, I'll get to have a television show, and I'll have a Rolex, and I'll have a nice Lincoln car. God, if you'll answer this prayer, I can write some books and peddle them along the roadside. God, I'll be famous. He said, no, answer this prayer so that they'll know that there's a God in Israel, and I am thy servant. I'm your servant. I don't believe David ever forgot that. And David went on and grew. You're never gonna make progress until you'll admit, hey, I gotta have God. And then when you see results, fail not to give him the glory. I don't care if you're praying for lost car keys and God answers your prayer, you ought to be raising your hand on Wednesday night. Brother Tim, I need to say a word for the Lord. I couldn't find my car keys, and I didn't want them to tell my wife because she's going to get mad. Amen. And I didn't want to have to go through that. Somebody say, Amen. So, so, what I did, I just got on my knees and said, Lord, I got to find these car keys. You lose a car key today, praise God. I'm telling you, it's a major deal. Them things cost about $150 a piece. Amen. You get it? Hey, and when you do that and you recognize, hey, God was the one, you're accountable to Him. You're accountable. Let us go on, Woodland, let us go on past public evaluation. Let us go on past previous encounters. Let me give you this. This is where I came to preach. All that's introduction. Let us go on past personal entanglements. I wish I could stand here tonight and say I've never messed up. Now, don't tell my wife I said that. Come on, y'all. Help me a little more than that. She ain't here. Amen. That's why I'm smiling. (laughs) I wish I could say, man, I'd never come short. I wish I could say that every challenge, every opportunity God gave me, I fulfilled it. But I haven't. You hadn't either. That's not a license to do wrong. That's not a license to continue. Man, we ought to have a desire to do better. But I see David in his personal entanglement, and I I wished it was not so, not only about my failures, but I wished it was not so that when we mention David, our first thought goes to Bathsheba. And it's not that you're, you're trying to be, you know, negative, that's just, man, he's messed up. Sometimes personal entanglements will leave you devastated. I've got people in our church members who were saved by grace, but they've got scars from their past. And grace, thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. And every time they engage, every time they endeavor to make make progress for God, the devil wants to bring up, well, that's all right, but what about when you? What about the time you? Oh, we've all been there. David had to go on past some personal entanglements that were devastating. That situation didn't turn out pretty. The baby died. Uriah, the Hittite died. Amen. Joab lost respect for his leader. Hey, let me say something. You mess up and thank God for forgiveness, but it is serious business. Some of y'all are fixing to really mess up. Some of y'all have messed up and you think you've got it under control. You better realize how weak you are, friend. You better, hey, you're gonna wind up ripping your britches from your belt loop. Bless God to your button. Now I see that that personal entanglement devastated him. There's some things in the past that we ought not relive, but I'm telling you, it ought to be a caution light for us. Don't you ever say, well, I'll never. You say, by the grace of God, by the help of God, with God Almighty's constraint, hey, God being my helper, I'm going to walk the right walk. I'll talk the right talk. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to go on. He went on past previous encounters. He went on past public uh, evaluation. He went on past these personal entanglements that would leave him defeated. Sometimes those personal entanglements leave you defeated. I mean, you just throw it in. I've done messed up. And some of you are using your self-pity as a way of punishment to make yourself feel better. I ain't worth nothing. And it makes you feel good to say that. Because you ain't worth nothing. Oh, so and so's better than me, and he is. I'm probably the worst Christian in this room, and you are. Is that where you want to stay? You, you say that to, to soothe your conscience. You say that to make yourself feel better. I know I'm telling the truth now. Some of y'all look at me like a calf at a new gate. Look up in here. Hey, I'm telling it right. I've pastored people long enough to watch it. They feel good about admitting the error. It's almost like they're punishing themselves, but they're staying in the same rut. And a rut ain't nothing but a grave with two ends kicked out of it. You're defeated. you better go on David went on. I tell you what personal attainments ought to do. They ought to leave us determined. That guilt that you've been under, that misery. That self-esteem that has been absolutely, absolutely taken away. Why don't we say by the grace of God, we're not going to stay down. By the grace of God, by the good grace of God, we're going to move forward. Let us go on unto perfection. You've been good listeners. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let me ask you something this evening as the pianist.